Hi everyone, and welcome to The Seed Podcast, part of our teaching ministry here at the Central Church in Fayette, Alabama. The Seed exists for one reason only, and that is to lift up the Word of God in order that Jesus Christ might be known and worshipped as King. We invite you to join us now as we dive in to today's message. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. If you're there, say praise the Lord. Y'all stand with me in reverence of God's word while we read this one verse, and then we'll let you sit back down. We'll get started. It says, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when, he, when she had received the spies with peace. Dear blessed Heavenly Fathers, we bow before you. God, we do thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for the opportunity to be uh, gathered together in your house tonight, Lord. It's not an accident that anyone's here. It's by your divine providence. And we just pray, Lord, that their eyes, their ears, their hearts would be open and ready to receive uh, what you have for them tonight. And I pray, Lord, you'd keep my tongue from going in a direction that wouldn't be pleasing to you. I just want to be used as your mouthpiece as I try to yield myself to you from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. And we'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory for everything that happens. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So first of all, let's set this thing up here. It's, uh, we're going to look at what's happening here in this text. God is pointing out some folks uh, from the Old Testament that He wants us to take note of. Some people that we could learn something from, if you will. Uh, have you ever had anybody in your life that you could learn something from? And, uh, and uh, mom and daddy maybe tell you, if you open your eyes, shut your mouth, you might learn something. And so we're, we're going to learn something here from these folks. In this list, which is called Hebrews chapter 11, if you're a student of the Bible, you know this is the Hall of Faith, uh, or Museum of Faith, some people have called it, but it's the Hall of Faith. We have only two women that are mentioned in this Hall of Faith. The first one is Sarah. Now, this is, that's Abraham's wife, so that's not really surprising that you uh, would find her there, considering she's the wife of someone that was as great and notable as Abraham the father of Isaac, the father of Jacob, who was later called Israel. So, so it's no surprise that you find Sarah there with her association with somebody as great as Abraham, right? But then you have this woman named Rahab. One of the only two women that are listed in this hall of faith. The other's some great woman of God, right? And the other one's a prostitute. Think about that. Quite a contrast, don't you think? A lady that probably lived in what we would refer to today as the red light district of Jericho. I learned, uh, I learned a little bit of history that here, one of the last times I went to Arizona, I learned why they call it a red light district. So, so people would, I'll just give you this little fun fact, I guess. Uh, the miners would come out and they had these little red lamps or uh, lamps and the lamp would be hanging outside of where they were doing business. And so that's why they named it the red light district because all those lights were shining there. This is where this woman lived. This is where she worked. This is who she was. And she's listed in our hall of faith. And that don't sit well with a lot of people. When they really think about who she was. We have this woman uh, that Peter uh, used as an example of a holy woman who trusted God and submitted to her own husband. Notice, notice uh, I'm t- back, jump back to Sarah here. James described her as that she submitted to her own husband insomuch as she obeyed Abraham and called him Lord. 
That's the first lady. And then we have the lady of the night. There's a big difference there. Uh, there's many of you in here uh, that know someone that's in this second category. That you'd say there's no way that God can use her, but God says, oh yes, I can. See, we don't get to tell God who He uses. He uses who He wants to. He uses who's available. And this lady was available to Him in spite of what she was. We don't get to tell God who He can and can't use. We don't get to tell God who's good enough and who isn't. I believe... It was Sesame Street uh, when I was thinking about this that had, uh, had the little segment that said, which one of these doesn't belong? You remember that little segment? It's real obvious which one of these in our eyes does not belong in this group. Let's look at her, Rahab. First of all, she was a Gentile. She was somebody that did not belong to God's people by blood. So you had, you, you had two groups of people as you still have today. You have God's people and you have people that are going to hell. So there's still those two groups of people. There's God's chosen group of people and there's all the others, the Gentiles. She was one of those. So she had no association with God, no association with God's people. She was born and raised in a culture that was absolutely pagan, that worshipped anything and everything but the one true living God. That was her heritage. She's introduced to history as Rahab the harlot. Everywhere you see it, it's either the harlot Rahab or Rahab the harlot. Why do you think that is? Why, do, why didn't he just say Rahab? You know, he just said Peter. He just said Sarah. <laughs> he just said James. He just said Abraham. He just said all those other names. But with this lady, he says Rahab the harlot. Everywhere it's recorded, it's made clear who she was. I believe it's because we would have assumed that Rahab was a good woman if God had not told us in His Word that she wasn't. We would have just assumed for her to do something like what she did here, which we'll get into. This is all introduction. I'm sorry, I'm taking a little long to introduce. But we, we would have just assumed she was a good lady, right? Because she did a good deed. And we would have, we would have think she was recorded there for her goodness. And we would have, she's right here with this, uh, with this great woman named Sarah. And so we look here and we think, man, she's, she's a good lady. But God wanted us to be sure we understood that, um, or we're reminded that there is none good, no, not one. And neither was Rahab. So he made it clear. In Joshua chapter 2, that is where we meet this unlikely member of the Hall of Faith. If you want to flip over there, uh, you can. I'm going to read it straight to you, but uh, you're welcome to flip over there as well. Joshua chapter 2 is where we meet her. I'm going to read just for introduction here, Joshua 2 verses 1 through 3. And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither, uh, in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out our country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that, came, that come to thee, which are entered into thine house, 
for they be come to search out our country. We know that her house was up on the city wall. We read that a little bit later on. So you have, you know, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. So this whole thing is about a city that's within inside the walls. And we know that they're about to destroy the thing. The, wall, the walls are going to come down because of the obedience of the children of Israel. And God's going to do a miraculous thing. And so we know that there was a wall there. Well, her house was on the wall. We know that because she let them down. It tells us clearly that her house was on the wall. Now, it was a smart move on the part of these two guys, if you'll think about it. I mean, they were at the gate. It's the red light district, as we've already mentioned. There would be nothing too suspicious about two strange men coming into town and going to the local harlot's house, right? Nobody would have suspected that at all, but somebody did. It got word got to uh, uh, the king of Jericho anyway, and he sent men to visit Rahab and to get the spies. Now we look ahead at their, at their conversation or confrontation, if you will, verses 4 and 5. It says, And the woman, the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came men to me, but I wist not whence they were. I didn't know who they were. I didn't know where they came from. And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate when it was dark that the men went out. Whither the men went, I won't not. Pursue them, uh, quick, pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. So she says, hey, yeah, I saw some guys come in here. I didn't know who they were. I didn't know where they were from. And just before dark, just before the gate shut, they ran out. And if you'll leave in a real big hurry, you can go out there and catch them. So what'd she do? <laughs> she flat out lied. Big, fat lie, right? And some of you would say, see, I told you. <laughs> Not only is she a prostitute, she's also a liar. I told you there ain't no good in her. But God's still going to use her. Because it turns out there may be some good there. But God's got something to do. First of all, let's look at this. He saw something else. Look at verses uh, 6. Uh, we'll start at verse 6 and then we're going to jump to uh, verse number 8. Verse number 6 says this. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax which she had laid, upon, uh, laid in order upon the roof. Then we jump to verse 8 for time here. It says, And before they had laid down, she came upon the, the roof, and she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you, when, uh, when you came out of Egypt and what uh, you did unto the two kings of the Amorites and were on the other side of Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now what happened there was she made a decision. She made a decision, she turned her back on the pagan culture, and she turned her face to God Almighty. She made a decision. All she had ever known her entire life was a pagan culture. All she had ever done her, uh, her entire adult life was to be the harlot there in the town. Probably one of many, but she must have been a notable one, and I'm sure that's not a good thing, right? We would all agree with that. But she sees these men, she meets these men, and she realizes uh, they've heard, they have all heard. Now notice this, notice this. 
She decided to align with them and their God rather than the culture. Rather than the culture she was living in, she chose to align with God. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like something that we do? Something that we maybe need to do? <laughs> Choose to align with God rather, than the, uh, rather than, the, the, than the culture. Notice that during this chat with the spies, she used a couple of important words, we and us. Let me tell you something about Rahab, the harlot. She had the same exact information. She had all the same information as everybody else in the city of Jericho, but she did something different with it. She chose to align with these men and to align with God Almighty and turn her back on the culture when everybody else had heard the same thing and they were all scared to death and their hearts melted in them and the strongest men there were quaking in their boots, scared to death because they'd seen what these people's God had done for them over and over and over again. They're scared to death. She sees it and she says, you know what? I'm going with you guys. She turned toward God. And away from the culture, away from everything else. Everyone had the same information, but Rahab did something different with it. She made a decision against the culture. And we're still talking about her today for that very reason. I mean, just think about it. Do you, do you know much about anybody else in the city of Jericho? You know they had a king. But do you know anything about much of anybody else? But you know the name of the local prostitute who lived on the wall at the gate. Why? Because she turned to God and God used her. Somebody that nobody else had any use for. Somebody that everybody else had been looking down their nose at and said they'll never amount to anything. She turned to God and God said, let me show you what I'm fixing to do through you. And that's exactly what happened with Rahab. We're still reading about her. The first thing that she did was she made a decision, right? The second thing she did was she made a deal. Look at verse uh, uh, 12. We look at verse 12 through 16. It says, Now therefore I pray you, she's talking to the spies, right? Swear unto me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that ye will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token, and that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sister and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our lives for yours, if ye utter not our business, and it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by the cord through the window, for her house was upon the top of on the town wall. Remember we talked about that. She dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Go ye into the mountains, lest, per, lest uh, the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers return, and afterwards you may go your way. She made a faith decision, first of all, to align herself with God, right? These men were there. They were representatives of God. They represented something that was bigger than her. And she made a faith decision to align herself with them against the culture. And then she cut a deal with them. Because I've decided to protect you, I want you to protect me. Now remember who she's talking to. She's talking to these men. She's not talking to God. She's not making a deal with God. She's making a deal with these men. She says, I have chosen to protect you against my culture here because I believe that you represent somebody that's bigger than us and we're all scared to death of you. I'm going to follow you and I'm going to protect you. I want to know that you're going to protect me. There's a couple of things that make her deal different than what we usually do. 
First of all, I've already mentioned, she wasn't making a deal with God. She was asking these men to spare her and her house. We're always trying to make deals with God, right? God, if you'll this and God, if you'll that. Because we know there's nobody bigger, right? There's no point in me making a deal with Jordan because I know who he represents. He represents God just like I do. So I just go straight to the man, right? And we try to make deals with God. She made, the second thing is this, she made her decision and then she made her deal. Which is right backwards of what we used to do. Not, not us. We go straight to God and we say, if you'll do this for me, I'll do that for you. You give me a good job, I'll pay tithes. You give me a big blessing, I'll be a blessing to somebody else. If you'll do this for me, then I'll do that for you. That's not what she did. She made a decision, a faith decision to trust the God that they were serving. And then she said, not to God, but to them, let me make a deal with you. I chose to protect you. Will you please protect me? Because she's thinking, hey, these are the guys that are going to come back. And they can tell their guys, don't mess with them, keep them safe. And that's what she's hoping for. She made her decision to go with God against the culture, and then she asked these men, please, spare us. It's interesting to note, however, that God did step in, and God did the protecting. If you flip over to chapter 6, uh, verse number 15, this is, where the, uh, this is where they're beginning to come in. Verse number 15 says, And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times. All right, this is the last day. They've done this several days already, and this is the last day they're going to do it. And the seventh time, when the priests blew the trumpets, and it came to pass at the seventh time, when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city, and the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that were with her in the house. Because she hid the messengers we sent. Then we look at verse number 22. But Joshua had said unto the two women. that. Uh, but Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied into the country. Go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath. And as you swear unto her, and the young men, the spies, went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had. And they brought them all their kindred and left them within the camp of Israel. And they burnt the city with fire, all that was therein, only the silver and gold and the vessels of brass and iron they put into the treasure of the house of the Lord. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive and her father's household and all that she had. And she dwelt in Israel even unto this day because she hid the messengers which God sent to spy out into Jericho. Now I want you to notice something. This is really important. She made a deal with these guys. She's thinking these guys will tell the invading forces, look, don't mess with her, keep her safe. God did something even bigger. Now think about this. God destroyed the walls of Jericho, right? The men didn't come in there with pickaxes and rocks and stuff like that and start tearing everything down, right? That was a supernatural, miraculous act of God. They obeyed marching around. And think about it. Every memory that you have, every vision that you have, if you have much of an imagination, coming up as a child, Joshua fought the battles of the, the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. You read in the Bible that the walls went flat and they marched right over. There wasn't a big pile of rubble. They just marched right through there. And we think of this city and then all of a sudden we have this naked city. The walls are all gone. But there was a section of that wall that was still left. There had to have been because we know from the Bible that Rahab's house was on the top of the wall because she let them down by the cord. 
down the wall by the cord. So God supernaturally, not only destroyed the walls, He supernaturally preserved the section where the prostitute was living that had protected those men. She made a deal with those men, and God said, let me show you what I can do. And He protected her. The house was still standing. We know this because... I got it underlined right here. Hang on. And all that are with her in the house... So when the walls come tumbling down, there must have been a section still there where her and her family were still in the house because it goes on a little bit further. He, the guys told him, he said, look, you hang this cord that you have let us down by, this scarlet cord, you hang it in the window as a, as a reminder and, and everything that we've said will be it's how it's done. But he said, they said, now let me tell you this, everybody that's in the house is going to be okay. That if we kill them, their blood is on us. But if they leave, if they walk out of this house, if your brother leaves, if your sister gets mad at you and she runs out the door and, and they they get killed. Now that blood is on you. It is not on us. So we know the house had to be intact when the walls fell down because that's when the invading army then came in. You see what I'm saying? She worked out a deal with these guys thinking they'll just save me and they'll come to my house and get me. And God said, you hang on a minute. When you turn to me, I'll preserve your house. I'll protect you. And that's exactly what God did. See, that's how God steps in. That's, what's just, that's one of the many amazing things about God. And I went ahead in my notes, so i got to catch up with myself. So we know there must have been at least one section. They renewed their promise. Uh, in, in chapter number 2, let me flip back here. Oh, chapter number 2, verses 17. I think I just told you all about all that. Let me check, make sure I don't miss something. Yes, he said, this is what will be blameless from that oath that they swear. Behold, all of the land. He said, tie the scarlet thing in there. And he said, look, everybody that's in there is going to be fine. She made a decision. She pitched a deal. They agreed to it. But God said, I'll handle it. Y'all ever heard that old song, God Handled It All? Raise your hand if you've heard it. It's okay to raise your hand. Some of y'all need to get out. Not get out of here, but you need to get out a little bit. And here. God handled it all. Look, we were in a mess we couldn't fix. We needed something that we couldn't do. God handled it all. All throughout the Bible we have example after example after example of how God handled it all. God handled it all in her situation. She tried to make a deal with a man. And the man was a representative of God. And God said, if you're going to turn to me, I'm going to protect you and let me show you how big I can do it. We want God to show us everything first, don't we? God, show me the way so that I can take that step of faith. That's not a step of faith. That is walking by sight. When we tell God, if you'll show me what you want me to, if you'll show me what to do, if you'll show me that this is going to work, then I'll take that step of faith. That is not faith. If He shows you how it's all going to work, that is walking by sight. But the Bible tells us that we're supposed to walk by faith, not by sight, right? That's what she did here. She had no way of knowing whether this was going to work or not. She made a faith decision to trust that this God was going to be okay with her, was going to take care of her. That's what she did. The just shall live by faith, right? Or the just, I asked the question in jest, the just shall live by sight, right? Nope. They live by faith. That's why the Bible tells us without faith it's impossible to please God. Do you know what that word please means? It means to walk with God. To walk with. 
You can, the Bible tells us you cannot walk with God without faith. You think about Abraham. He's in that hall of faith. He just looks at Abraham. Abraham's got things going good. And he looks at Abraham and says, look, get up and get out. And go to a land I'll show you. Well, I don't know about you, but that don't sound a good deal to me. If I decided tomorrow that I was going to move somewhere, I'd have a plan about where I'm going. That's not how God works. We don't see the miraculous today because we don't walk by faith. We, don't tr- we, we have so many other things to trust that we operate in a realm where we're just like, in the back of our mind, we'd never say this, we'd never vocalize it, but in our mind we are living like, well, I don't have to trust God because i got all these other things to trust. What are we going to do when all those other things are gone? What are we going to do when the doctors don't have answers? We're going to do when you go out there in your car and it don't crank. That thing that you have trusted. We got people. People have people in church all their lives have more faith in their cars than they do in God. They got more confidence that that car is going to get them. They'll pray a prayer, and when God don't answer, they're just like, "Well, I know it wasn't going to work. I don't know why I prayed it anyway." But you let them walk out there to that car tonight, and it don't crank. Well, this thing ain't never failed to crank twenty years. Bought that battery at Walmart 20 years ago. One of them never starts. That's a mechanic joke. <laughs> All right, let's get back to the point here. How am I doing? Okay. Rahab. Chapter 6, verse 25. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive and her father's house and all that she had. And she dwelt in Israel, Israel even until this day, because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent, to, the, sent uh, to spy out Jericho. Now look at what happened to her. Rahab went from prostitute to proselyte. She converted. A proselyte someone that leaves a Gentile, a pagan religion, and converts to Judaism. That's what she did. She said, I'm, just, I'm following you. I'm going to go with you because this guy that you're following is big. We done heard about years ago when he busted the Red Sea wide open and y'all walked across on dry ground. And we heard just the other day about them kings that y'all whooped and we are scared to death. I'm going to trust that guy. That's what she did. This harlot is escorted into the covenant people of God. While she's there in Israel, she meets a man named Salmon. Salma in the Old Testament, it's Salmon in the New Testament. Salma is the father of Bethlehem. Salma, he fell in love with this lady named Rahab. Now don't you figure, this is a fine upstanding dude here, this Salma guy. He's big time, his father of Bethlehem. He's prominent in the nation of Israel. And he falls in love with a harlot. Now some of y'all, that are, we, got, we got a few little ears in here, so I'm being careful. Y'all know what we call them today. (laughs) Same thing. That's what the word harlot means. This prominent man fell in love with. And I bet there's probably a bunch of good church, I'm sorry, a bunch of good folks in Israel. Church ain't born yet. That really honestly was a slip. I didn't mean to say that. The Lord put that one in there. There was probably a lot of good people in Israel that thought, Salmon, what in the devil are you doing? 
Look, this story, everybody had to have known who she was and how she got into this group of people. She's in the Bible. She's in the history book. Everybody knew what she was, and he fell in love with her. And then he comes along, and he marries her. And they had a son named Boaz. And Boaz married Ruth, and they had Obed. And Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot King David. 28 generations later, in this very lineage, we meet Jesus Christ, the Lamb that was slain before the foundation. She was the great-great-grandmother, or great-grandmother, I don't know, I'm not good on genealogies, of King David, a man after God's own heart. Now, we know David had some slip-ups, right? But he wasn't a harlot from Jericho. But his great-great-grandma was. But she turned to God. And God preserved her. And God used her. And she's named in the New Testament in the lineage of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what God can do. Amen. Hey, let me tell you something. There ain't nobody so screwed up that God can't fix you. Nobody. A lot, of people, a lot of people like to receive that. They like to receive that and say, Oh man, glory to God, I can't be so messed up that God can't fix me. But the same thing applies to that fruitcake sitting beside you that gets on your nerves that you think is just a total mess up and can't do anything for God. He preserves them too. The harlot from Jericho. God said, I'm going to use her. The harlot from Jericho ends up being the great-great-grandmother of King David, recorded in all of Scripture with the high-class ladies of the lineage of Jesus Christ. If God can do that, I don't care what you've done or how long you've been doing it. God can fix you. God can use you. And what the other, side, the other side of that coin is this. If you're sitting here today, or tonight, or whatever it is, it's still daylight. If you're sitting here today and there's somebody that you're thinking about that fits that category, it don't matter how, what they're doing or how long they've been doing it. God's going to use them whether you got anything. You don't have anything to say about it. You can't stop it. Roll with it. <laughs> Pray for the Rahab in your life. Pray for the Rahab in your church. I don't know, there may be a Rahab here. No matter how long you've been doing it, what you've been doing or how long you've been doing it, your past does not control your future. Now she could have held her past against herself. And said, I can't, you know, I can't be this, I can't be that. But she didn't. It's also a reminder to the goody two-shoes that God can use whoever He wants to. The person that you least expected Him to. He can use them. I got one more place. In the book of James, chapter number 2, verse 25. We find her again. He mentions Abraham. Then he mentions uh, Likewise, also was not Rahab 
the harlot. Just a reminder. Justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. Now look, understand this. I am justified by faith. I get to go to heaven because I've trusted the work that Jesus Christ did. I've trusted Him for salvation. He and He alone, His shed blood, that sacrifice, me accepted it, is what's made me justified and fit for heaven. That is justification by faith. But James is talking about some justification by works. Her faith got her with God. Her works got her out of Jericho. She could have done the first part and just made a decision to trust that God. And, you know, when they all come in and everybody got slaughtered, should have been okay over in the by and by. But because she put her faith into function, because she was justified by her works, she did something. She said, let me tell you something. I believe God, justification by faith, and now I'm finna trust Him because I'm finna do something to get me killed. Those, those guards could have very easily said, you know what, I don't believe you. I know those two guys were here and they could have went up on the rooftop, they could have torn the house apart, found them, killed them, and killed her for lying. That's why we read in the book of James, she was justified by her works. She trusted Him. And then she proved she trusted Him. She showed everybody she trusted Him. And that's why she's recorded in history. We go to heaven only because we're justified by our faith in Jesus Christ. But if we are remembered here for anything, it will be because of our works. It'll be because of what we do for the kingdom of God. Yeah, Billy Graham got saved, right? We all believe he went to heaven, right? But what would, the, would we remember the name Billy Graham if the only thing he ever did was be justified by faith? If all he ever did was accept Jesus Christ, would you remember him? They wouldn't nobody know him except for his family. But because he worked, all of history will remember Billy Graham and the Crusades. And that's my question to you. Are you putting your faith into function? That's the message. There's a couple of messages from Rahab. Anybody can be used. Don't matter what you've been doing or how long you've been doing it. God can and will use you if you'll submit yourself to Him. But are we putting our faith into function? If we were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict us? Would people look and say, yeah, I know they're a Christian because I saw them do this, I saw them do that, I saw them do that. I know they love the Lord because they do this and they do that and they do this. Look, there are a lot of people that are trying to work their way and earn their way to heaven. You will go to hell trying to earn your way to heaven. But if you are going to heaven on your way there, you need to be working. I mean, you need to be snatching up folks left and right. Hey, let me come on, go, come go to church with me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. You hungry, let me feed you. Are you an alcoholic? Let me pray for you. Are you a dopehead? Let me pray for you. Are you a prostitute? Let me tell you a story about a prostitute that God used mightily in the Old Testament. And she's forever recorded all of history. Are we putting our faith into function? When you put your faith into function, 
It may have been a time when it could cost you dearly. It would have cost her dearly if this hadn't worked out the way it worked out. Boy, it's just getting awful dangerous to talk about the Lord now, preacher and all and everything. You know, I might lose my, I might make somebody mad. Well, boo diddly who? I would rather somebody be mad at me here on earth and open their eyes in hell and say, He told me. He tried to tell me. Rather than them for them to be able to look up and say, Why did you never tell me how bad it is here? And that all I had to do was trust this man, Jesus Christ. But it's just getting so bad and all and everything. Look, her city was about to be destroyed. They were terrified. But she put her faith in function. And she trusted God. How good are we doing at that? How good are we doing at that? I submit to you the reason our country is in the shape that it's in is because the church is in the shape that she's in. The church is not what she used to be. The church is not the force to be reckoned with. We just kind of go along because we don't want to hurt nobody out there. We don't mind hurting folks in here. Where'd that come from, God? That's not part of this message. I didn't close my book. I ain't got it in my notes. Are you putting your faith into function? Would you bow your heads with me? Dear blessed Heavenly Father, Lord God, as we bow before you, Lord, we do thank you for this wonderful example that you've given us here. God, we see this lady as a beautiful lady because when the time came, she turned towards you. We're so thankful for the example that you gave her of us, the reminder to us of what she used to be. So that we can be reminded that there's nothing that we could have ever been that you can't save us from. Lord, help us to remember if we've been saved for a while that there's still some folks out there that may look a little bit like Rahab. God, help us to look at them like you do. Help us to be an encouragement to them. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us the courage to put our faith into function and show this world that we love Jesus Christ. Show this world that we are laborers alongside you in your vineyard. Help us to be the bright and shining light you've called us to be. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, that makes all of this possible. And his shed blood that makes me fit and ready and right for heaven. We ask it all in His name. Amen. We thank you again for joining us this week at Central, and may the Lord Jesus Christ be magnified in your life today.